0: If I had that magic wand, I would put under full protection half
1: of our planet. Welcome to Nature Magic. Today I am talking to Costas Christ. I was lucky enough to meet Costas in 2016 when he was judging the National Geographic World Legacy Awards, and it was won by the Boron and Cliffs of Moagia Park. His passion for protecting the planet burns a lasting impression on everyone he meets and it is a great honor to have him as a guest on the podcast. Castus is an award-winning editor and columnist, for National Geographic traveler, and an inspirational keynote speaker. He is one of the world's top sustainable tourism experts, and in 2012 was recognized with Sir Richard Branson and Jane Goodall as one of the 50 global visionaries working to save the planet. Boran Nature Sanctuary is a member of the Boron Ecotourism Network, and Costas is one of the pioneers of ecotourism, helping to officially define the term for the first time and serving as a founding member and former chairman of the International Ecotourism Society. On his mantelpiece of awards is the International Peace Through Tourism Award for his work promoting sustainable tourism development to support economic opportunity in former conflict zones in Colombia and Sri Lanka along with the North American Gold Prize for best travel writing for his column in the National Geographic Traveller. When not travelling, he farms organic blueberries on the beautiful Atlantic coast of Maine. What could be more perfect? Hi, Costas. Thank you for being a guest on the show.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: And how are you doing with the uh, COVID-19?
0: Well, I think, uh, first of all, um, healthy and good, and following the guidance for social distancing. But, you know, so in the bigger picture of things, doing well, but obviously, there's a lot of suffering right now and a lot of challenges right now. And we're all in this together. And I think the more we can realize that we share a common planet and that viruses don't recognize borders and that we have everything to gain by international cooperation, and I say that to my country in particular,ly then the better we'll all be.
1: Yes, there are positive messages as well, even though it's a very difficult time and especially for nature, it's it's quite a positive breather at the moment. Have you any feelings on that?
0: Well, you know, we uh, can't help but sometimes, you know, muse that this is nature's way of pushing back, pushing back from uh, relentless pollution, pushing back from the illegal trade in wildlife, which is decimating species. and. You know, in a kind of anthropomorphic type of world, one thinks nature's saying, we've had enough, you're pushing us too hard and we're going to push back. But in a real sense, I think and I hope that there's going to be an opportunity for learning and wisdom to come out of this in terms of how we approach nature and reconnect with what I think may be the most fundamental and important understanding which is that Americans seem, or not Americans, but people in general, and yes, the United States and, and globally, have seemed to have forgotten that we are nature. We have created this kind of false sense of reality that somehow we as human beings are over here and nature is over there. And even the notion of saving nature, which, of course, I believe in, but it's it's objectified. Again, we have to save that thing that's over there for whatever reason that's important without realizing that we are nature. We, we are saving ourselves. There's no separation. And so I hope as we come out of this COVID-19 pandemic we will understand more and more of the importance of helping to heal our planet because we cannot have personal health and well-being when we don't have planetary health and well-being.
1: Exactly. And even the politicians, if they could see that the things we use from nature. From food to medicines everything really there's they put a value on that but they don't actually put a value on the source which doesn't make sense at all <laughs> economically either so it's crazy hopefully we're all learning a lesson here Let's-
0: well yes and you know again we uh, we don't even realize that they even we hear all this talk about economies and economies and sure important people's livelihoods or jobs this stuff is very important but the very word economy comes from the word eco as in ecological and so the original concepts around economy were directly connected to our ecological world which We hear more frequently referred to in modern times of the need for the economy and for business to understand their reliance on what we refer to as ecosystem services. So again, it comes back to this point. We've kind of created these illusions that somehow make us think that business is separate from nature. We as humans are separate from nature. Yeah. And of course, we're not. We're intricately combined.
1: No, I think that's put really well. I mean, we have to remember the eco in economy. I mean, that's very impactful and easy to remember for everybody. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So how did you become a nature lover or an advocate for nature? Do you remember particular moments in your life or is it an ongoing process? Yes.
0: To be honest with you, I always had a. I grew up. I grew up what what I what we call uh, in the U.S. I guess you know a hard scrabble kid. My I was raised by a single mother who was uh, a waitress for forty six years. I had a father who kind of came in and out of the scene, and um, he wasn't down in the pub. He was doing day labor, you know, here and there. So my My childhood was kind of an unpredictable world and I felt that you know people were kind of unpredictable and in certain respects as a little kid not trustworthy. Um, I'm not referring to my mother bless her heart because she was the star of my life and instilled the the virtues that I still believe in today but during those early years and during turbulent times I always found nature to be stable. Nature had a predictability to it. And uh, as a little kid I used to go into the woods and pretend that I would have conversations with animals who were my friends. So I was just one of those little kids that was a born a born nature lover and and as the outside world seemed turbulent and sometimes crazy, I found stability in nature as I grew older, I, the only other thing to say is as I, as I grew older, I felt that I also had a responsibility to give back to the thing that brought me comfort. So whereas nature helped me as a youth, as I grew up, I wanted to be there to help nature.
1: That's wonderful. I think that's um, how a lot of people feel really when they get a little bit Older, and they look back and see what nature has done for them. Um, is there a particular plant or animal that you absolutely love and is very special to you?
0: Well, there—you know—there are animals that are very uh, special to me. Actually, there is a very, very popular, and I read an English translation of it uh, as a kid, of a Japanese uh, children's story, and it's called Urashima Taro. And it's the story of a fisherman who comes down to the beach. It's a kid's story. comes down to the beach and he sees uh, three boys and there's a sea turtle on the beach and they're throwing rocks at the sea turtle and jumping on it and they're hitting it with sticks and things like that and he uh, you know the sea turtles hurt and the fisherman chases the boys away and the sea turtle says to the fisherman, you know, as a reward for you helping me, I want to take you on a journey. And of course, you know, this is the fantastical world of a children's book but the sea turtle then takes him on a journey under the world, under the water, where he holds on the sea turtles back and into an area where there are three different rooms. And basically it's a story that uh, talks about nature. So I always had a fixation for sea turtles and I grew up on a barrier island off the coast of New Jersey. And uh, when I was young once, a very large sea turtle washed up on the beach dead, huge. It was the size of like a Volkswagen Beetle car. Uh, And you know, so as I grew up, I learned more about sea turtles, just turtles in general, but wisdom. I mean, just think of it, an animal that can live over a hundred years old, uh, just calm, you look in the face of these animals, there's a sense of wisdom. So yes, a favorite animal would certainly be a sea turtle. And uh, when I think of favorite plants, well, you know, you're speaking to me and I'm here uh, in northern New England in Maine on a blueberry farm. And I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that blueberries were not my favorite. plant. They are.
1: <laughs> oh, Of course they are. Um, yes, that's so wonderful. I mean, we have a lot of children at the Borough Nature Sanctuary, and I always ask the very little ones, what's your favorite animal? And you'd be so surprised what they say. Barely able to talk a range of cow dog, the normal thing i've had water buffalo from a little child you know, too, Um, so they they just feel a natural love for animals
0: that's right, and we should nurture that the work that you do and congratulations to you and burn nature sanctuary for doing that
1: thank you very much we try so it's very quiet here at the moment, obviously that we haven't got any visitors but this time next year, it'll be a hive of activity again, I'm sure. In your life, have you had any spiritual experience with nature?
0: You know, I find, that's a great question. And I find, uh, for me, I do find nature, in so many respects, as a spiritual experience, you know, uh, forests and trees. I mean, it's, it's a euphemism, but the sense of walking into a cathedral, you know, I just, I live here in, the, in, in Maine, so I'm part of what they call the north woods of Maine. So I'm surrounded by vast spruce forests. And, you know, walking into them is truly like walking into a majestic cathedral. So I find forests. And being around trees, a spiritual experience. And also, I mentioned to you that I grew up on a barrier island in New Jersey. So I learned to surf when I was uh, at a very young age. And surfing became very much a spiritual experience for me. That the, you know, just sitting on the water and thinking about the energy that moves through the sea and capturing that energy and riding that wave, um, you know, can be a very, very special experience, something that surfers talk about.
1: Mm, That's very powerful, both of those images. Trees are very special to me as well. So they, I have had a tree um, come to me in a dream and send me a message, which was interesting. And it was a maple tree. So it was up from sort of your area, well, maybe a bit below you, upstate New York, around there. So.
0: Yeah. No, they're, they're in our neighborhood. We, we have them. And, what a, and and maple trees, what, what gifts they give us every year? You know, we are right now, this is the month of April. And here in New England, they have started, including in Maine, where I am, what we call a sugar, the sugar bush, you know, making maple syrup.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I ate maple syrup this morning on a little bit of toast with peanut butter. and so the- One of my favorites. Yeah, the thought of them tapping the maple now and bottling it and, and all those trees providing that delicious um, treat for everybody.
0: It's, it's big. And nature is the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Absolutely, it is. What positive action could you suggest for people to do to help support the planet?
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, one of them I just, uh, you know, mentioned briefly, one would be just to reflect and think on, you know, uh, reconnecting who we are with nature. Again, this whole notion that we've we've somehow created this illusion that we're separate and we're not. We are nature. And if we don't, when we protect nature, we protect ourselves. When we heal nature, we heal ourselves. So I think in terms of positive actions, I would say one would be just to reflect on that and and think about that and bring us back to the importance of our connection with nature. And then secondly, you know, I work a lot in the travel industry and and I think you're familiar with my background. I've been involved with helping to develop the early concepts around ecotourism, which is defined as responsible travel to natural areas that protects nature and sustains the well-being of local communities and of course the reason for that is because we know that when local communities also see their lives directly connected to protecting nature then they become our partners and allies in conservation but my point here in terms of a positive action I would say that uh, when we do begin to travel again, and it will happen because travel has been part of the human experience from the very, very earliest concepts. We are born wanderers. And when we begin to travel again, I would just say one of the most positive actions each of us can take is to understand that our travel choices make a difference. And when we choose to travel with companies that are committed, To these principles of ecotourism, responsible travel to protect nature and sustain the well-being of local people. When we go to destinations like the Byrne in Ireland, for example, that are committed to operating a travel business and experience that is beneficial to nature and supports nature. So... Our travel choices make a difference. And when you travel as an individual, seek out those companies and give your business to those companies that are also working hard to protect the environment where they operate.
1: Mm -hmm. That's great advice. I mean, how I met Castus was through the Burren Ecotourism Network, which works around the Burren with different businesses. Using sustainable principles, and you were over here judging for an award. Um, so that's how we were lucky enough to meet you. And I think, on the first point as well, engaging people with nature, that's exactly the whole um, underlying principle of the Borough Nature Sanctuary. You know, trying to engage people with nature, show them a flower from a different angle. You know, macro photography, I think, is wonderful because it really engages people and time-lapse you know you show people time-lapse of a seed sprouting so they can see um, nature from different perspectives I think that's really helpful as well. If you Absolutely. Had, yeah if you had a magic wand Custis and you can do one thing today to help the planet do you know what you'd do?
0: Yes I do actually if I had that magic wand I would put under full protection, half of our planet. You know, there is a very, very famous, they call him the the grandfather of biodiversity. His name is E.O. Wilson. And he is the one who really brought our, in fact, he is the one who came up with this term biodiversity. And of course, what does biodiversity mean? Well, it means life on earth. Biodiversity are all the living species. We are part of biodiversity ourselves. And so E.O. Wilson, um, who is now in his 1990s, he's getting quite up there in age, who has been such an important voice for the protection of nature has said that for our species, for our planet to thrive, we have to protect at least 50% of our oceans, our lakes, our streams, our forests, our plains, our savannas, you name it. And he's launched something called the Half Earth Initiative. So if I had my magic wand... I would wave it right now and put that half earth under protection.
1: Oh, that is absolutely amazing. It's giving me shivers because this is my second interview for this series of podcasts. And Mary Reynolds, who is a wonderful Irish um, environmentalist, when I asked her about the magic wand, she said, Half the earth.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. That's what we need. And yeah, it's great. You can to-
1: start with half your garden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Do you have any other nature books you'd like to recommend?
0: Um, you know, I think that there are, um, there are different things. I could just tell you that I know a book that was important for me. I mean, obviously, uh, for me, you know, as an adult, uh, the works of Emerson, uh, you know, Henry David Thoreau, Uh, You know, the classics were very, very, very important to me. The poetry of Robert Frost. But as a, you know, as a kid, or not a kid, as a teen, because that's really, uh, when I read a book called My Side of the Mountain, um, that was probably my favorite book when I was a teenager. And it's about a young a young boy who decides he's going to run away from home, not that I would advocate that, <laughs> uh, but that he wanted to go and live in nature. And he spends a year living on a mountain in the Catskills, which is a mountain group in upstate New York. And it's the story of his life up there, the hardship, his connection with nature. So Anyway, My Side of the Mountain, it was so funny um, because I had a milestone birthday not long ago, (laughs) uh, (laughs) 30, 50 years old. And you know what? An old friend of mine, and I hadn't thought about that book forever, wrapped it up and put it in a gift wrap and said, here's your birthday present. And I opened it up and it was the newest edition of My Side of the Mountain. And I read it again recently and it brought back many wonderful memories.
1: Oh, how wonderful. That is fabulous. Um, I think really just one more question, because I know you're very busy and you've got a call coming in soon. Um, Would you like to say a few words about organic farming, seeing as you are an organic farmer and this farm is organic and has been for 25 years? Um, People don't really get why it's so important. Well,
0: first of all, um, gardening is... My therapy and farming is my therapy. I am. And, you know, you were talking about just nature. Uh, I'm just endlessly amazed by the whole idea of how and watching, you know, planting a small from a small seed comes a bounty of fruits and vegetables. And it's just a miracle. It's the miracle of nature and it's the miracle of creation and it's the miracle of life. So in farming, I feel that I see that miracle day in and day out. And it gives me great, great inspiration. And in terms of organics, absolutely, it's all about the soil. And so understanding what soil is and growing organically not only gives us healthier food, not only keeps the environment clean, there's no runoff, there's no waste, there's no pollution, there's no herbicides, there's no pesticides, But as I've gone about organic farming over the last 20 years, I've begun to see also how even the blueberries, I have uh, about 12 hectares of blueberries, not huge, but, you know, not too bad. Um, And those 12 hectares of, of organic blueberries, it's been fascinating for me to see how nature itself and the ecosystem of life revolves around those blueberries. So what do I mean? Each year, I lose probably fifteen percent of the crop to wildlife. Um, I consider that nature's tax. I consider that nature saying, "We'll give you all of this, but you need to leave a little for us." So, organic farming—it's healthier, it's fascinating, it's inspiring, and it contributes to nature. And when you put that all together, I can't think of anything better.
1: Oh, that is brilliant. I think um, nature's tax is a great little soundbite. And it was absolutely magical talking to you, Caster. Thank you so much. Um, It was a pleasure to meet you. And we hope you'll come back to the borough and sometime soon and visit us. And I hope all your blueberries grow well and you can keep yourself safe uh, in the COVID-19 lockdown era.
0: Well, thank you, and uh, I'll just say that you know the Baron was uh, really an eye opener for me. What a spectacular, truly spectacular place! And so, when people do get a chance to travel again, uh, I know I want to go back to the burn and I hope others get to to visit because I think there are wonderful people there doing creative things, just like yourself. You mentioned earlier that there was an ecotourism network there. That's exactly the kind of network that we as travelers want to support and um the Baron is is a place that i certainly look forward to visiting again so thank you very much and you take care and all the best and well-being to all of your listeners as well